is the conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody who's I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No one is in the fucking business. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the motorway. Hello and welcome to episode 269 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. Alex Jones and Jack Harper. Big episode last week, actually. We had our uh, transfer deadline day podcast. Um, uneventful on my side, uneventful on Connor's side, uneventful on TK's side, actually. And uh, we had a bit from Alex uh, as Spurs did get two deals over the line. So fun podcast, but perhaps not the... Uh, oh, it was an exciting deadline day, just not for me. That's essentially the point I'm making. Plenty to get into this week. We will talk about what is to come for the rest of the season. We will talk about the Super Bowl that takes place this weekend. And perhaps we'll get into the UFC. We'll really, we'll see how the road takes us. Before then, we do have some news of the week to get into. Not as much as I'd have liked, but as always, sometimes those are the best weeks. So I'll kick you straight off. Students begin protest after chocolate milk is banned in schools. <coughs> Game really is gone. Do they? Do they give? Did they give any reason why? No, it was Jamie Oliver, wasn't it? I don't think that's. They don't know how bad they could have had it because we really had the middle ground of knowing what you could have and then have it taken away. Turkey Twizzlers were just were the best things in the world. Like pizza slices for a pound at break time. Yeah, we were essentially what it must have been like in the fifties when they got told. Cigarettes actually are really bad for you. Oh, we're hooked now. What are we going to do? <laughs> I remember I used to go down and get uh, the baguette, and if you were lucky, they were still just about warm enough, and I'd get either uh, coronation chicken and cheese from there, which was actually quite nice, although it doesn't Those taste were... like any coronation chicken I've ever had anywhere else. So I remember, I know exactly what you're on about, but then they started putting raisins in it. Yeah, so was... I didn't know there were raisins in coronation chicken until until then. It was great Very until they started so. putting that in it. Do you that I, mean, I, don't know if, I don't know if you can handle coronation chicken and cheese nowadays, Byron. Christ alive. Not on a lunch break, no. Then I switched Oof. to um, chicken mayo, bacon, uh, and some red onion, which um, was quite savage for a lunch break, actually, looking back. But um, hey, there we go. I remember the hustle, especially where we used to buy those baguettes from, was we used to make these flapjacks. And uh, the trick was to go and buy one and nick two so you could sell them and make a profit and still have one, but distract them whilst buying That wasn't one. a trick I'm... for me because I wasn't a thief. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think you found like, some uh, gap in the system now. I'm pretty sure that's just <laughs> theft. 
I'd pressure any any situation. We, if I go to a shop now, I'll buy buy one, nick two. I can go to the other hey, We've all done. I mean, I remember those kids at school. Secret ingredient to, is crime. There was kids at school that used to <laughs> cut, cut slits in the inside lining of their blazers, go to Tesco Express before school, fill up their blazers with like chocolate, and sell it for discounted prices at school. See, we went uh, to the same school, but live very different lives <laughs> the, the kid that i'm on about who did that was in your form i'm pretty sure you're friends with it Lou. I, mean, so I, could, I could probably maybe just, assume maybe you're just naive or you just silence is violence in this case you just turned a blind <laughs> eye to it i wasn't going to tesco before school so uh maybe that's where all the di- all the dirty things happened um what what i want to know though is you said it at break so i had horrible arm pity chocolate like secondhand mm. chocolate yeah, that um, competitive eater defeats giant bunny in salad eating contest. Defeat you initially meant at a giant bunny. I thought, <laughs> it's a tough video to watch. That's how you win the challenge. Eats all the salad and then says, you know what? That's not enough of a statement for me. <laughs> uh, Nick Cannon issues apology after announcing he's expecting his eighth child. My words. I like that you've got to issue a public apology after that. Look, I made a mistake. The previous let's, seven, fair enough. Let's face it, as soon as you say Nick Cannon issues apology, I mean, one, that's nearly its own Florida Man segment. Yeah. And two, you know where it's going. I think that's with the sixth different mother now. Probably all due around the same sort of time as well as the crazy fucking thing. Good thing he's rich because <laughs> Christmas must be an absolute nightmare. Yeah, he can't even run away from it. He publicly acknowledged all of it. Just starts numbering his kids like the cat in the hat. <laughs> I th- I'm one of about 27 followers that follow a Twitter account saying the cat in the hat is an underrated masterpiece. But I will die on that hill. I don't run the account either. Yeah, that. I think I the, re- uh, the number of followers re- speaks volumes in this instance. I was going to reply to a tweet the other day and then thought, I don't know if I want people seeing that I'm one of the few followers of this. So I'll just announce it here instead. Um, Plumber awarded £25,000 after bosses bosses nicknamed him Half Dead Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Is that that the payout these days for having a nickname at work you don't like? I told this this story on Sunday when I started my new job and there's some bloke who's apparently synonymous with giving people nicknames and lookalikes. And on my second day, I've gone and he's gone, "Uh, who does he look like? Peter Kay. And it's like, I don't look like him. You're just calling me fat. There is no other similarity between the two of us. Dark hair, maybe. Funny enough, I got reminded of a Facebook memory from 11 years ago of me saying you look like Jim from... American Pie. <laughs> I tell I told this story on the American Pie podcast, and then about thirty seconds later, someone else said, "No, he looks like Jim's dad." And I, thought, oh, brilliant. I was quite pleased with Jim, and then we got downhill. Um, Texas woman accused of killing roommate by sitting on her. Nasty way to go. <laughs> like um, Christopher's cat. In, uh, the do- no, it's the dog in Sopranos. Yeah, I was, I was quite sad after that. Probably would have been more sad if it was a cat, actually. You just reminded me. Um, police staff member deliberately blocked toilets at GMP HQ, costing the force 7000 
Jesus. I love that's premeditated. Like he's stocking up in the day, eating like a curry, <laughs> and then go, oh, <laughs> we'd be lads, I've got a big one coming. It's like Randy from South Park where he had that <laughs> carrots. <laughs> well, I mean, that would block more than the toilet. I think he goes through the ceiling in that one. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that this investigation, I've got this image of them being like, uh, what's it, the, the Hardly Boys in uh, the South Park episode, uh, <laughs> investigating this and having to get to the conclusion. You know what? I think this was actually an inside job. This is <laughs> deliberate. <laughs> Nobody eats tikka and a, and a pizza on their lunchtime on a Tuesday. And finally, um, probably one of the most incredible headlines I've ever seen. Um, I wish we were doing the podcast at the time this came around. So it's now 10 years since a high-bridge man used a doner kebab to stem the blood from his slashed throat. And he survived. <laughs> what? If you want a marketing slogan for your company, it doesn't get much better than that. I don't know, like, if, is he just walking home and it's a random thing and then he just looks and he's got his kebab in his hand and just, you know, it just happens to wrap around perfectly. If he's just, like, plastering the doner meat on there and it's just sticking perfectly or the chilli sauce in the wound has got to be savage there. Him just, just trying to shriek, no chillies, please, boss. <laughs> we need some kebab meat over here, but no chillies. <laughs> Outrageous, but yeah, I mean, I feel like 10 years ago, things were a bit different. I think we'd have probably had a shot at getting him on the podcast, you know. Maybe if I can track him down now. You know, it's 10 years since this happened. No one else is really trying to hear your story. Or have I got a group of people for you to chat to on a Monday? Mad thing is, you get someone drunk enough, they'll eat that kebab off his throat. <laughs> you can look, I need to get some food in me. Can't be drinking on an empty stomach, so uh, there you go. All right, that is the news of the week. So as I said, sometimes all you need is a little bit. The, good enough. Yeah, the way we're going to go here is we've spoken last week about the transfers that have happened. Everything you have now, you have to the end of the season. Unless Arsenal miraculous, well, not miraculously, unless Arsenal sign Jack Wilshire, and I guess you can still add on free agents, but that's about the only one I can see happening. Um, and I can't see that happening. So um, I have a series of questions here about what is going to happen between now and the end of the season. So if we start off, Spurs related question Harry Kane is currently on five Premier League goals this season, less than Bakayo Saka and a Millsmith Road, by the way. Um, his lowest Premier League tally when making at least 20 appearances is 17 goals. With 18 games remaining, will Kane equal his 17-goal record? I think that's a big ask. 12 uh, goals in 18 games. Is that a big ask for Harry Kane? It's, it's not. It's He's not a big ask for the season if you told him you're going to end the season with 12 and 18. No, no, I, I, get, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It's not a big ask for Harry Kane, but given what we've seen so far this season, it seems like it is. Um, <laughs> without sounding too contradictory. <laughs> I've got a question um, live. Do you like <laughs> turn it around? Yeah, so I, um, I reckon he probably does it. I think he does it. I think he's he's slowly building into a bit of form now. I think there's a bit of momentum building. I think he does it. 
and he also and he's also thinking about that summer transfer regardless of what happens he's, at Spurs he's going nowhere so he should get that idea out of his head ASAP the, the <laughs> Premier League website this morning described Harry Kane as being in monster form Oof, I think that's a stretch considering we've just been on a two week break <laughs> but he did score against Brighton did he not he scored two against Brighton didn't he there you go monster form there you go yeah, that's all you need. But two nil, two goals against Brighton in the FA Cup. That's all you need. TK, uh, twelve and eighteen. Is this the minimum Spurs fans should be asking from Harry Kane? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, look at the first half of his season wasn't good enough. So you've got to make up for it in the back end, haven't you? Conte uh, <laughs> is managing now. You've had enough time to work with him. No real excuses at this stage. Uh, Jack, does he do it? No, not for, not for me. I, I think. The only thing I can think of to get him close would be if he stat pads like a hat-trick or two against some of the relegation strugglers, uh, which isn't beyond him. Or if he swears on his daughter's life again, uh, <laughs> that he touched a few of those balls. So, yeah. um, but just the way Spurs are playing at the moment and the way they've played all season pretty much, I know they're on the up with Conte, but... It, maybe it's hard for me to visualise it because we've just beaten them three times in a month and not conceded. So yeah. maybe it's, I don't yeah. think he does. They're not always as bad as they are against you. I think they just gave up. We're in awful form. We struggled to beat Plymouth, but we've just rattled them three times. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I can't see him doing it. Not the way they're playing. As a side note, Alex, I don't suppose you saw that uh, Adama Traore got an assist 20 minutes into his Barca debut. <laughs> I saw uh, I there was a link somewhere on my timeline to the Adama Traore debut and said it was like a masterclass and it was titled "What Spurs were What Spurs are missing from this transfer." And I was like, "Do you know what? I'm not going to watch that." You went to every good game Bruno Guimaraes ever has in a Newcastle shirt. About the same way with Arsenal. Yeah, Luis Diaz did the same thing for Liverpool as well. Just saying. Yep. <laughs> If, if I was to take a show of hands, uh, not literally because I can't see you, how many are we saying Kane secures his 17 minimum? How many are saying he doesn't? Uh, I'm saying he does. I'm saying doesn't. I'm saying does. He gets it exactly. I'm saying he does too, and that's the hope of really turning it on its head. Off the top of my head, I was thinking he wouldn't. And then when you said the number of games left, I think, I think he will just about get that. Um, you mentioned Luis Diaz. So Mane and Firmino's contracts will have 12 months remaining come the end of the season. As Liverpool look to potentially rejuvenate their front line, I'll go to you first, TK. If you could order Mane, Firmino and Luis Diaz as to who will play the most minutes in the remaining months of the season? Mm, good question. Still think Sadio will. Um, I think he'll stick with what he knows in that regard. He has, might get more minutes than Firmino, though. I think Jota could steal Firmino's role. And as a result, you're probably more likely to see a bit more Diaz than Firmino, probably. So I'll probably go that as my one, two, three. Is Is this not kind of your free pass for Diaz? This is essentially... You've got six months now, and then next season, no excuses. We need you to be putting up Mane numbers at a minimum with the price we've paid and with the fact that it's no secret that's who you've been brought in to step into the shoes of. So these six months, 
if you're not going to win the league, and I know you obviously don't want to disgrace yourselves in there, not that I think playing Diaz would, is it not in Klopp's best interest to give him the maximum minutes that he can? Yeah, I mean, that, that works on the presumption that we are even looking to phase Mane out or get rid of him in the summer, even if you were, you know, that seems quite a short time period, but potentially it might. Um, but I guess that, that also gives us the flexibility to see how quickly Diaz does adapt, if he is good enough, if he's the player that everyone thinks he's going to be, or have at least an idea in the first six months, or certainly where he's at. So I think it, I think it kind of works both ways. I think there's a, maybe one of the small benefits to having a January purchase is that that's probably first have you probably get a little bit more leeway than the summer transfer seems yeah. to get where you go. If it just doesn't work, we kind of treat him like a bus pretty quickly, strangely. We did Donny Brasco on last week's podcast and there's a quote in there <laughs> where Donny essentially says, there's no way I can get out of this without Lefty getting killed. Salah, essentially, there's no way he can take the contract without sacrificing Mane and Firmino. I think Mane and Firmino are probably fairly aware of that. Hmm. So I, I see. But I reckon he does now. it on purpose now after that final result. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because Klopp is very much um, in the same way that we've seen Leicester do it and maybe we aren't, aren't commending them too much after the weekend, but it's the way that you almost instantaneously replace the guy. You make the profit on the player and then the next one steps straight into their shoes. So mm-hmm. I don't see any way that Mane is still at Liverpool next season because I don't think they're going to give him what he wants. So I think Klopp's well aware of how this works. I think Liverpool's owners won't have enjoyed losing money on Wijnaldum, even if that's what Klopp wanted in the short term in, in, in terms of, I don't want to lose this guy. You need to give me another season with him. So I think Klopp may know it's in his best interest now to get as many minutes out of Luis Diaz as he possibly can. Potentially. And look, he might take it out of Klopp's hands if he plays really well. If Mane plays kind of as he has been, where he's been inconsistent, he obviously looked good in AFCON. Um, if he plays like he was prior to going away to that, though, there could be an opening for Diaz just to play anyway, even if there wasn't a plan uh, to phase Mane out. He just might get dropped for him. It's an interesting one that you bring up with him, Mane Firmino, with the contract situation. Whether does paying some of the money just mean the club just will not budge on those two at all? And do they look at the situation? And typically, players will obviously go, well, if he's getting that, I want that. close to it, which I imagine Mane in particular probably would, whilst probably acknowledging that I'm not hitting the numbers here, so I'll be a bit behind, but I still want the close. I don't know how close the club would get. I don't think they would get even in the same stratosphere, so they've got a huge problem there. And with a player like Mane, we're going to want probably half-decent money for a guy who's 30 and running out of contract. Yeah. You're going to have a, an issue there if they are looking to sell. I guess in your mind, the big question is who plays more minutes out of Diaz and Firmino? Yeah, and, and that's just going to depend on Jota's form, probably, isn't it? Because if he if he carries on playing well, Firmino's going to struggle for starts. And once Firmino's on the bench, and this may be, I mean, probably disrespectful to both in the way that I'm going to say this, Firmino is a player that deserves to be playing football. But at the same time, if you're chasing a game, he's probably going to look to Origi before he looks to Firmino, is he not? So Firmino, if he's on the bench, his minutes may be restricted even more because it's not like he's coming off the pitch. 
I know what you mean. Um, in theory, there are games that I think Firmino is as Brian. There's been games where he has been brought on, but Jota hasn't been doing it. And I do think still Firmino's link up play, sort of the other side of things. I know it's slightly overstated with Firmino, but those things he does bring to the role, Jota doesn't do as well, but Jota does stick in the back of the net a bit more often and does them adequately normally. But in a game, sometimes when Jota's touches off, isn't linked at the play at all, Firmino has been the perfect foil to bring on. It's how many of those games you're going to actually have between now and the end of the year, I guess. Any luck as it? <laughs> Christ alive. Um, Jack, Chelsea's squad management probably leaves a few things to be desired. If you were the manager here, how are you ordering those three minutes? Mane, Diaz, Firmino? I think you're going to try and get as much out of Mane as you possibly can because every Liverpool fan that I speak to has basically lamented Mane for the last season, if not the last season and a half. Um, And then I made the point that I was worried about Mane and everyone took the piss out of me and then he scored the early goal in the game that I went to go see against him. So (laughs) it's just always the way. I think... You're saying using what you can. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I mean, I... I can't profess to know loads about Mane. I mean, I, I watch him as much as a rival fan will watch them. I, I just think that I see a player there, and especially he was like player at the tournament pretty much in the AFCON. Yeah, he was literally player at the tournament. Yeah, El Nenny was in team of the tournament, by the way, too. <laughs> that, that is at the level of the benchmark we use. Um, but yeah, I'm in the camp of, I think, you use what you had left in the tank whilst you have him. Um. And then I guess if you can phase Diaz in quite seamlessly, then that makes it a little bit easier to give some of that contract potential. Um, you think you think Klopp uh, rolls up the bottom of his toothpaste, gets every last bit out, and he's going to do the same with Mane? I think you have to at Liverpool. I don't. I think you pretty much take what you're given transfer wise, and they've had some really good transfers, but there'll be like one standout um, every couple of years or so, like the Van Dijk and Allison and whatnot. And since then, they haven't been brought in Droth Jota, which was obviously great business. And You've got to if, admire, I guess, in the way that you do business, and I'm not even using this as a stick to beat Chelsea with. Chelsea, I feel, are very opportunistic in the market where something like Havertz, you see that you have the opportunity there. Perhaps he wasn't on the list at the start of the summer. Whereas Liverpool feel entirely opposite, don't they? Where they very much know this is the guy we want to get and this is the guy we're going to get. So perhaps yeah. why they're more inclined to overspend, not they look like it now, for Jota at the time. Mm. I guess it's the money ball system, isn't it? Where they'll analyse the stats to the nth degree. And if he fits the stat mould that they want, they'll go and get him. Um we use Basically, that right. and brought in a Stefan Licksteiner as a Hector Bellerin. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and Torreira as a Kante. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I admire the way Liverpool do business in the sense that they know who they want. It's like the Van Dyke thing. Everyone was having a go at Klopp when he didn't get him in the summer. So, why didn't you have a backup? Why didn't you just go for someone else? You, you fool. And then you get him in January, and that's exactly why they don't go and get someone else. Mm. Where, yeah. Um, so I, I mean, there are. I'm still convinced that if Werner had actually gone to Liverpool, he would have been a hit. Yeah, I agree with you as well. Um, I just don't. You're right. Chelsea are opportunistic in the sense that if it looks like a good buy on face value, they'll just go and spend money on it. When in fact, you're trying to put 
round pegs into square holes. Um, whereas Liverpool, it's very much, like you said, identify the target, chase them, get them, make sure they fit the system. They buy right? for their Sorry. system more than, there's never a worry if we'll play because they've done that homework. You reckon Frank could have convinced your owners to spend 40 million on Deli Alley? <laughs> I saw I saw that um, video of uh, Luis Diaz hugging Klopp when he first arrives at uh, Melwood, and someone quote tweeted it saying, "You see that you see the strength of that hug. This is what being linked with Tottenham does to a player." <laughs> <laughs> Should we look at the way Jota was? Or Arsenal? Fit? Hey, you don't get those same jokes with Arsenal, I'm afraid. Should we look at the way Jota was introduced at Liverpool and perhaps think that'll be mirrored with Luis Diaz because he was integrated almost seamlessly, wasn't he? It was perfect because he didn't have that pressure of being the star man. He didn't have that pressure of like, right, we signed you, now go and do something special. That's at that price tag, isn't it? I mean... <laughs> That's the going rate for a fairly decent player these days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's actually, when, when you look at it, there's actually quite a low amount for a decent player. It wasn't at a time, though. Like As many of us that like Jota, and as much as I've said about plenty of players on here, me and Troy used to like him because we used to always bring him in at Arsenal Football Manager and chat about how he was doing. But no one went into that window thinking 50 million on Jota was going to be business that was done or business that it, we would look at and say that was a deal. <laughs> I thought, I thought it was 40, like, 45. Yeah, I thought, it was like, I thought it was 40, like 37.5. That's what I thought. Um, I didn't mind. It's, maybe I've read the Euros figures, but... Yeah, I, I was, was pretty expensive. certain it was like that. If we started the window was, and said that was the fee that was going to be for him, you might not have said it. It's, we weren't saying it was disgusting money, but you also weren't looking at it like, you know what? That's a good deal. Because what, what didn't that happen at the same time where before trying to convince a team that they couldn't pay the full amount for a player so they paid in instalments then went and spent like 35, 40 mil on Jota straight up. What was it? The other Sounds way? about right. Well, I think um, at the very least as well, there was a feeling of why didn't they just spend a few more million and get Werner, which obviously is, that's the take, it's obviously aged like milk, but yeah, that was the take around the time. So why don't they just cough up a little bit more and go for Timo? I, I mean, I don't even want to have a real discussion on this, but it's just one of them, I have the opportunity to get it out. When I see... Arsenal fans talk about Saliba coming back next year and it's like, why do we, we've already got Ben White and we've got Gabriel and then you look, Liverpool have Mane and Salah and then still feel the need to bring in Jota and then they have those three and still feel the need to bring in Luis Diaz. It's like every good team in the country is having multiple options per position. Um, and for, well, for the longest time, we haven't had an alternative, have we? No. And, and for the longest it's been, well, they need some depth below the front three because there's just nothing there and, and in various spots across the team. And it's like they are kind of slowly figuring out, okay, maybe we should have a little bit more depth to this thing. Or as you say, is it just, are we going to be in a position where we have a new front three and we don't have much depth again because we get rid of Mane and, Sal- uh, Mane and Firmino, for example? Even still, it's the right personalities though, isn't it? Because I would say from the outside looking in, um, Jota with that front front three, at least when he came in, was almost like a goalkeeper's mentality where it's you're accepting that you're not going to be the first name. You're waiting for an injury. Well, but at the same time, like there was a, you didn't ever feel like he was bitter about it. You didn't ever feel like, uh, I don't even know the words to have it, but there was an acceptance that, okay, I'll just wait for my chance. And then even still, the competitive nature of having those there, if anything's brought another level out of some of those players. So 
it's worked the charm, unfortunately, for the rest of us, because Jota, he did well against us before, but he's a right bastard to play against now. Not only because he does seem to be a bastard, but when he's been, it's been a nightmare for you. Lot. <laughs> yeah, he's like yeah. Drogba, Rooney. <laughs> take your pick. I think it's easier to bring in a player like that, though, and have it pan out like that when you're a club in a position that Liverpool are in the respect of they're going to be in all the competitions. They're going to have the largest amount of games for opportunities. And mm. it's kind of when you move into a club like that, at their, at like a peak at the moment, you go in with a certain amount of respect and understanding that, all right, I'm not the biggest dog in the changing room here. And for example, likewise, if you were to compare it to Arsenal, you go in there, you're going in there with the expectation of I need to be in that starting eleven because I'm not in any competitions really. And there's no sort of drift on the ride for any trophies. You've got a it's there's no and you're not working under a like what's deemed as a great manager that you think you can pick stuff up on. You can't you just you don't go there for that at the moment. <laughs> See, I don't know how you remove people from the call on computer <laughs> anyway. The home but, of passive aggression. That was. <laughs> but you, you have linked us in quite seamlessly because I do have an Arsenal question up next. So a lot was made of Arsenal's decision not to sign a striker in the January window. Not by me, obviously. Um, you barely mentioned Arsenal, it. With Arsenal seemingly choosing to rely on Alex Lacazette and Eddie Nketiah to fire them back into Europe. Across the whole squad, who will score the most goals for the Gunners between now and the end of the season? Can I go first? Go on. I think Smith Rowe carries on the way he does. If he, and he's I been think benched. He, yeah, I know. I don't think you, yeah, well, you, you say he's been benched now. You haven't got any but cho- any choice but to play him. So you haven't hardly got a squad. But no, I well, think he's he's been he's been your main guy for. Is he your top scorer at the moment? Is he joint Scott's top scorer with Zaha? He's Study. Zaha. Saka. They were. Saka. Saka. Yeah. He's got, I think he's got one more than Saka. One more. Yeah. So, and he is your top scorer. There's nobody ahead. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he, player, I, yeah. I, I, I think he carries on being your main man as long as he stays fit and he doesn't fall through to any um, injuries. I think, um, I think he's your main man for the rest of the season. To do that though, for him to come in and play the minutes because it does seem that Arteta prefers. Erdegaard through the mid, through the centre, which means it's Martinelli and Smith Rowe fighting for the left hand position. If you're going to play either Enketi or Lacazette as a striker, and uh, Saka obviously has his place on the right. So I think that's what makes it interesting is how we play because as much as there's clamour from the fans, play Martinelli centrally, and then you put Smith Rowe on the left, and then you've got all of the youngsters in there. I'm not sure. But the type of football that we want to play, whether right or wrong, Martinelli can play that role because he's just not big enough. He can't hold the ball up in the way that Lacazette can. It's one of his few positives that I can I say suppose, about him. He's got a bit more about to hold the ball up. I suppose you don't want him to be playing Martinelli as well, put him in a position that doesn't quite work for him, in a system that doesn't quite work for him, and into him to lose confidence when well, yeah, you want to be Martinelli trying to build it. Front, then you're looking for him to play on the last man on the shoulder and go over the top of him. And that doesn't mm. seem to be the way that we go about it. We have the striker that drops centrally and then it brings Martinelli and Saka into the positions to score the goals. Would you say it comes down to a bit of a conversation then of you play a guy who's been your main man this season for getting the ball in the back of the net with obviously 
exception for three of those goals came off the bench. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, I know, I know, but you know that doesn't mean anything. It's, it means you you maybe start playing him from the the starting whistle, the mm. the the first whistle, and you you hope for the best in the same way that when Kane first burst onto the scene for us, he was coming off the bench or playing in the Europa ties, and then you start paying him. Start you start you start him in the same way in which you've like when I've said to you about like when I've maybe in a few game situations I want Sun coming off the bench sometimes just because he's nobody can handle him towards the tail end of the game on fresh legs. But I'm not saying that Smith Rowe's the same kind of player at all. But you know you you see my point. You you play your best players at the start. I think the thing is with Martinelli is that he's he's kind of your trendsetter for the game. He's the guy that sets the standard that you want from the rest of your players in terms of the tenacity and the, and the pace and the just everything is increased by 10 miles an hour. This is where are you go. Are you going with Martinelli then as your guy who gets the most goals? Um, no, I think Saka will, to be honest. Um, fair, fair. I only because for the most part, the guy can't buy a rest. Um, Mm. He plays literally every minute to the point. I mean, we spoke about Michael Owen getting burnt out, and I know Facilis is a different now. Saka, there might be nothing left of him. He's going to be ground down like a piece of chalk. <laughs> um, I, this is where, if you're going to be the manager that we hope you're going to be, and even the most strong Arteta out guy at the heart who wants Arsenal to win games, I would hope. Um, so you want him to be making the right decisions and. This is where you earn your money. You decide whether it's going to be Smithrow, whether it's going to be Martinelli, whether it's going to be Lacquer through the centre. I think there's certain games where you can go with the Martinelli through the middle, but I think he offers too much from the left-hand side in terms of stretching the play um, and just forcing people out of position. Because if, you, if you're having to double up on him on the left-hand side, then you're leaving a gap through the middle. So, I don't, talking, I about, Saka, so talking about Saka... Like trying to give him maybe a bit of respite and not completely burning him out. Not do you not? We've got I know, but like, do you not see any games at all in which you you give um, you give him that you give Saka that respite? I think you have to give Nicola Pepe some minutes as well. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, forget about him. But you put in, but you put in Martinetti, Martinelli and Smith Rowe together rather like not like you switch uh, um, you you switch Saka out for. Uh, Martinelli and play both of them. I think with Lacazette going through the middle. Ultimately, Martinelli and Smith Rowe have proven to be fragile enough that I think they'll kind of sort the minutes out themselves. Mm. Um, yes, it's going to be interesting because I've said Saka will score the most, and yet his weakest trait is probably his composure in front of goal. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting. I, I mean, I could do a Pepe getting some minutes. I've got a bet on with. Um, Connor from the start of the season that Pepe was going to have more goals and assists than Grealish this year, which uh, hasn't aged fantastically, but then Grealish has been keeping me in it. He's been keeping me with a sniff. So we'll see how we go there. TK, who do you think scores the most goals for Arsenal between now and the end of the season? Yeah, I think Saka solely on the basis of the amount of game time. Um, I'll tell you, it does seem to go a little bit in and out on Smith Rowe, which is a little bit odd, but it does. Um, and Martinelli, obviously, he has gone hot and cold on before, but also has picked up an injury or two, which I wouldn't rule out between now and the end of the year. Whereas Saka, predominantly, obviously, as you said, gets a lot of game time. So uh, I don't know if it's being a hot and cold on Smith Rowe. I think it 
is he does seem to have and it works both ways in that you have to lose your place in the starting 11 for the next guy to get his chance um, yeah but my feeling hand, is sorry i was going to say that just my feeling is that it felt like he had sort of nailed the shirt had an injury and kind of had to win it back in a way that I thought he was at a level where he shouldn't really have to. I don't think he was coming to sound outside of it. So that, that's the only reason I say hot and cold. Hot and cold is probably the wrong term. But that was kind of Martinelli. Then there probably would have been torches outside the Emirates as well. <laughs> yeah, valid. And Erdegaard, for as much as a lot of people on the outside may say that he's the droppable man in there, um, the the tempo to our game just drops so much, and we just become so much narrower without him in there that he's probably as crucial as. Smith, Rowe, Saka, and Martinelli. So it's just a shame that we are quite literally pinning our hopes of goals not on our £200,000 a week striker, but on our £40,000 a week 20 year old. Should, should yeah, have rectified that in the window. Yeah, you'd hope so, yeah. But uh, <laughs> apparently, there's not a single player out there that can score more than uh, two Premier League goals. Actually, Eddie's not scored a Premier League goal since last April. God which, if you recall, was against... Even against it's against some relegation fodder, and he, he did that phone celebration, running down the touchline rather than grabbing the ball and trying to get another goal. <laughs> it was a Sunday kickoff. He did the Dan and, James. Yeah. Jack, just before we move on, who do you think scores the most for Arsenal between now and the end of the season? <clears throat> Probably Saka, for the, for the reasons that have already been said, mainly being the game time. And he seems to be the star child, really, doesn't he, where everyone's... Everything's kind of focused star through him. The real star boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we don't talk about uh, the other one that's referenced. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll continue talking about goals. And mention Kane. He seems to have the number one space of striker nailed down in the England squad. But there are still several other talented players waiting in the wings. Who will score the most goals between now and the end of the season? Between Tony, Watkins, Calvert-Lewin and Rashford. Oh wow, that's actually quite tr- that's actually quite tricky. I'm, I'm going to say Cal- I'm going to say Calvert. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say Calvert. Calvert Lewin. He's back in Frank. Yeah, I'm back in Frank for the hill. He's playing <laughs> for that Arsenal move, isn't he? Maybe. Yeah, it could be. But yeah, I'm going Calvert Lewin. I think Rashford's looked out of sorts for years. Um, Ivan Tony. I mean, the thing with Brentford, they had that great start, but if you take the first month out of their season and they're in a bad place. Not well, getting, I think not getting the best of it. It so, might sound stupid saying it is they lost their goalkeeper, David Royer, who effectively set the tempo for their whole play in terms of playing out from the back. Everything's slowed down by at least tenfold by the fact that they've just got a substitute between the six. There is that, but they're also shipping three goals a game pretty much. And I know that having a subkeeper does come into that, but the whole team, the way they're set up, they're not set up to win games at the moment and I think Tony suffers because of that that's, that's why I do don't you think think perhaps um, against how they should be do you think they feel safer than they should be and maybe that's why they haven't gone out and made it's, changes yeah I think it could be like a perception thing isn't it a lot of self-awareness that they want to stick to their principles which is admirable but we've been blasting Norwich for doing exactly the same thing um, <laughs> they've had less success though they have, but at the same time, like if it stops working and you need to play the field that's in front of you and just to stay safe, they could get dragged right into this relegation battle quite easily 
just within the space of a couple of weeks with how erratic their results can be. So I think Tony suffers because of that. I don't think Rashford gets many goals. Um, because United just don't get many goals in general. And if they're going to come from anyone, I don't back Rashford to be the guy that's getting no. those goals. Um, and then who was the other one? Ollie, Ollie Watkins. Ollie Watkins. I suppose Ollie Watkins, I reckon, is probably going to be the closest one to Calvert-Lewin. But because of that, do we play Ings? Do we play Watkins um, conundrum? I feel that they play better with Watkins in the team, but Danny Ings gets more goals. So it's such a weird thing to try and, to try and balance. Oh, I might have some stick from TK for leaving Ings out that list. Jack summarised the uh, the issue Villa have got with them. Well, that is, that is exactly it. They haven't really been able to figure out a way to play them both. They probably both want to be the central guy. And which do you have? Watkins probably has a bit more round to his game, but Ings is a goal scorer. I actually started this topic with it being about Patrick Bamford. And then, I mean, we could just talk about the fact he may not even play another minute this season for the fact that he's now missed 15 games in a row. Injuries back to back. I think he came back, scored a goal against was it Chelsea? He scored a goal against someone, and then Got injured done. celebrating. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and he's been gone ever since. So. I also think DCL um, gets the goals there. Partly, even if he has no interest in coming to Arsenal, I think seeing your name linked with big clubs and. I don't want to hear anything said from anyone here. It's certainly going to spur you on at least to make the most of the extra attention on your name. And the fact that we've got a World Cup coming up, it must be reassuring for these guys. Well, I mean, we know who's going to start, but if you see Kane's not amongst the goals, you must be thinking, now's my chance here. I've got to be putting my name as at least the number two. That should definitely be what uh, Calvert-Lewin's thinking. Uh, he's obviously got a great chance under... If Frank's going to try and play presumably attacking football, it should all, all work for him uh, in a way that you'd probably be less convinced than, say, Rafa, for example. Yeah, the one when should... Rafa... Sorry. No, carry on. With, with Rafa, when there was an article on The Athletic and it's compared how um, the transfer plans were compared to Lampard and Rafa, and Rafa had been offered Deli Ali and Van der Beek by the owners and rejected it, and he said, I only want Sean Longstaff. <laughs> so you think with Calvert-Lewin even if it's at the detriment of the team like even if they start shipping goals for his own personal highlight reel even they're playing or at least look like they're going to be playing the way to suit him from an attention perspective I've just I'll be honest I've just never been as convinced about Calvert-Lewin in a goal scoring sense um I got on there early, reason. so I'm kind of stuck there now. In the, yeah, started you can't get off. A bit, so <laughs> I want to be able to. See, you know, I, I saw this from a while back. TK's selling. TK's TK's selling Calvert Lewin as an Arsenal striker here. In terms of he's not that convincing in front of goal. I mean, we've yeah, got a, well, we've got a striker that I mean we've just got rid of, admittedly, who outscored your main man two up his four seasons here. So let's not talk about Arsenal strikers disappointing. Who who was that? Who who was that? Aubameyang, Golden Boot winner. Um, he's not. So you're telling me Aubameyang was a more successful striker than Harry Kane? Well, quite literally, he was more a more successful striker than Harry Kane. Um, he lifted silverware, two pieces of it. Mm, he lifted a single bit, but we're talking about purely statistics. He'll be more successful than Harry Kane. 
I'm not uh, I'm not ignoring the stats right either. Two of his four seasons, so it was a fifty fifty split. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, that's, okay. that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying it's a fifty fifty split, isn't it? Well, Alex said there was no striker that would be more successful. He outscored him twice, won a golden boot, won an FA Cup, won a community shield. What more do you want from the guy? Other than turning mm, up on time. Yeah. Yeah, but one of them still at the club. The mate. One of them still at the club. <laughs> oh, just so happens that I mean Abamyang still outscored Kane this season. Yeah, that's a uh, no, no, he, 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 he Yeah, but he hasn't it's the season over yet, is it? No. But I'll give a point probably, probably outscoring a Barca. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think it will probably be quite close between Watkins and Calvert-Lewin, only in that, I was saying, I don't know how many, I think Calvert-Lewin will play well, but I don't know how many goals he's going to score. Probably a similar story with Watkins. Yeah, who also, goals I can't ignore Calvert-Lewin's injury record either. He has, he has had a few now. Who who do you think you've got, they've got a score to chance to save your life. Would you rather it be a volley Watkins or Calvert-Lewin? I'd probably just accept my fate. I'd probably have to get the, <laughs> get the coffee and... Get the coffee now and just get the dirt ready, lads. So what you you don't see at all because there there is at least a narrative around Calvert Lewin, and it happens when the rumours come in every time, where you've got the likes of Merson, Winterburn, these kind of parlour, the kind of names that do the Arsenal press, and the headlines are like they should be looking at no one else other than Calvert Lewin. You, you don't see the Calvert Lewin as a as a that guy, that's the guy you should base your team around. That's the guy mm. you go and get. You don't see no. him as no, I definitely, I don't. Um, I think if you were to get, I could understand he fits the profile of what you need. And if everything else is clicking in your team, I think you could kind of get away. I think he's good, uh, but I don't know that he's someone you can build around. I think it would take a, a leap of faith to have to do it. He'd have to go up another level to to uh, to do that. And I don't know if he's got that in the locker, to be honest. I think I'll be honest. You have I think that there is a... Watkins. Sorry, who do you have in that instance? Him and Ollie Watkins. Oof, yeah. If you if you've got and I'll I'll say I mean I imagine the price is going to be fifty sixty million. If you've got that and you're looking for a striker here, you've got to pay for one of those two to lead the line. I think I might Ollie Watkins, Ollie Watkins. Isn't, isn't the clinical man. Like I think I think they're similar. I think they have the similar similar issues. Um, one holds up there. Yeah, both bring a lot of good qualities to it in every aspect, other than I don't know that I'd want them finishing the last chance for my life on the line. Uh, it's probably just a little bit more to Calvert Lewin's game when he's on song. Um, Rest there. <laughs> oh, Christ. That is a huge, <laughs> uh, a huge issue, I think. It's, I, I have it in the We might game just friend. for the retro kits. Tom Davis, you can't be friends with anymore. Sorry, that's out the window. No, I, I think there is an English tax being applied to him in a, yeah. in a way that, particularly when the pundits are sort of touting him for an Arsenal move, I think is very quickly, I think people would be distanced themselves from it. If he didn't hit the ground running at Arsenal, it would be, oh, well, they just signed him because he was English. I think, well, you could have preempted this rather than saying it just after they signed him for big sum of money. I think that could happen. And I mean, if you want to look towards the World Cup as well, we need to pray that Kane does hit some form because... I, I like the guys that are chasing behind him, but I don't know that they can sort of lead us to glory. I think they're good backups. Southgate's going in with Foden as a false nine. (laughs) Oh, God. Maybe the answer to the previous question is Arsenal play Smith Rowe as a false nine. Maybe that's where we've been going wrong all along. You know what? He did try it once. He drew nil-nil with Villarreal. (laughs) Good evening. 
it, it wasn't a good evening. <laughs> so is is the answer here, Calvert-Lewin, is that the answer? I think, I think narrowly, but I think I'm, I don't know whether I'm hot on Ollie Watkins, the most people are just more negative on Calvert-Lewin. I've got that a lot closer than most people. I think if you ask generally, people would say Calvert-Lewin pretty bullishly. I'm, ask, I'm not sold on that at all. I think it's close. you Rashford or Tony? He scores more. Yep. Tony narrowly. I think his uh, Fuck Brentford video is going to have uh, fired him up a bit. I think it was quite something. I was about to say the Ferrara man. It's probably fair to be quite outraged that your striker's saying fuck the club. But ultimately, if he keeps you up, I don't think you really care. All he had to do was put on that video. I was like, look, I needed to bang this girl. And uh, that's what she told me to say. And everyone would go, okay, look, we understand. The game is the game. I did see some Brentford fans saying, look, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, look, as a for a totally different reason, but once we were away and there were a, a group of Arsenal fans, group of lads, and Sean, as a means of look, not wanting to have any trouble, was happily singing along Arsenal and singing Fuck Tottenham. <laughs> he, had to, he had to camouflage himself. That's a se- separate reason, but Tony had to do what he had to do on this night out. Oh, it's just... Did you see my tweet earlier? So I was one of the thousands of people whose fantasy league account got hacked. Um, they actually didn't make any transfers. They obviously saw my team was bad enough. But they just changed in my details. They put me down as a Spurs fan. Like that was they made they made two changes, um, three actually. They changed my sex to female and my favourite team to Spurs, and signed me up for the ticketing info. It's great childish hacking, that is and they great stuff. my nationality is Hungarian, actually, so maybe that was, a hung- <laughs> that was a hungry joke and they're calling me a pig. I don't know. <laughs> Someone had too much time on their hands. Someone confessed. Someone on there confessed it was then. <laughs> um, there we go. Um, two more of these. Roy Hodgson has now taken over the most fragile managerial hot seat in the Premier League and is now in charge at Watford. How likely is it that he makes it to the end of the season? I mean, the fact that it's Roy makes me think Legend. Less, but the fact that it's Watford makes me think he lasts about two months. <laughs> Let me reword this then, Jack. Is there more of a chance that Watford sack Hodgson or Hodgson walks out on Watford? Oh, there's much more chance of Watford sacking him. He loses you... his first four games he's got. He's drawn a first. <laughs> Burnley. They ask him, the first question in his interview was... Um, Roy, there must have been a point during this game where you thought, what, what, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I doing this? <laughs> and he said, no, I'm very well aware that those moments are definitely going to come. And it's like, hang on a minute, <laughs> you don't say this in your first interview back. <laughs> but at I the moment, no, I, I, I wasn't thinking that. <laughs> I, I think, I look at it, I mean, why wouldn't you take that job? Like, even if you're shit, you're probably going to get a payout. So, is it, worries it? It? it's just a bit of pension, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, for me, you have to spend two months doing some like coming back out of retirement. Gives you something to do for a couple of months, and you probably get like a mill payoff when you're being sacked. I don't know who was on commentary for the game because um, there was a clip of him, and he was just in the it was tipping it down the rain. And uh, one of the commentators said, "Look, Roy must be thinking now he could have been at home with his feet over hot chocolate watching this." And the other commentator said, "In fairness, he probably wouldn't be watching this. He probably had turned it off." I'd have turned it off if I did turn it off. Um, anyone think he gets sacked for the end of the season? 
do you think there's a point where Watford say, look, we just accept now that we're down and we don't spend any more money sacking someone? No, I think they, I think they ride it out and hope he keeps him up. And if he doesn't, they sack him at the end of the year. Yeah. I think um, he's not going to fight for the championship next year, has he? No, 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 this is exactly what it is. He's been brought in. You keep us up, and then we'll see where we're at at the end of the year. I'm sure. Which of all the appointments they could have got, this is as good as they could have done. This is their best chance of staying up, Roy. And it's going to be fun to watch as well. I mean, it might maybe root for uh, Watford. You know my feelings on the man. Deserve more time with England. <laughs> Remarkable. Remarkable take, guys. I think with Southgate's squad, I think he's I think he's more successful. Roy with this squad would just be scary. Kane on, oh. Kane on corners. Sit behind the ball, lads. Well, we sit behind the ball, to be fair, with Southgate. We did it in the we final. Would be, it was disgraceful. We would you... be something else. Bearing in mind what Which we did. We'd be a powerhouse. We played for extra time against Iceland, for God's sake. I think, and I'll say that I think we'd have gone out earlier in the year. Spectacular. But we win the Nations League. I think Roy's got a Nations League in him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might be right. Um, final question here. Um, one more managerial position is uh, under scrutiny now. How much longer are we giving Brendan? I don't know if any of you saw his interview after the game yeah, where yeah, he not, said not great. several of these players, their time is done. And mm. that's usually, it's a lot easier for the owner to get rid of one manager than seven or eight players. This is it, isn't it? We're going to find out how much the ownership really back him or not. Because I think he's clearly, once an overhaul, it's going to be whether they go, right, we'll back the manager, get rid of the big chunk of the squad, have a, basically a second generation of this Leicester team or we're going to say fuck this guy get him out and we'll get someone else in it's weird isn't it because you've got the, um, an FA Cup which is massive for Leicester and then but you you have to argue that he's underachieved massively because he bottled two top four finishes like literally in the last few games of the season yeah that first one was rough so like they had it's it in the bag I've, I've said it about them before it's a hell of a gig being a Leicester player though but they've seemingly unblemished from the bottle in is all on Brendan's part apparently yeah, nothing true. to do with it two years in a row and then he wins he gets to be credit for them as well so it's not a bad gig they um, ever since I saw a tweet that essentially they were trying to sum up Brendan and they said you may not know at the time where the peak is but once you hit that peak it all unravels very quickly and Brendan isn't the guy that can kind of drag you back up and if the FA Cup was the peak, because it's been quite a sharp decline this season. Yeah. Very few games. Like I went into the game at the start of the season when we played them. I think we were on a pretty rough run of form at the time. And kind of was resigned to our fate. And we we stunk the place out. And that loss against Spurs, look, fantastic by Spurs to keep going. Um, Jack, did you keep falling over here? <laughs> <laughs> My mum's there, yeah. Um, that... That's got to be the worst bottle in Premier League history, that game against Spurs. Like, you will never see anything like that ever again to go for Martin Tyler. <laughs> no, that, that is it's true. Inconceivable that you can do that. It, it actually, like, my opinion on Tielemans changed almost single-handedly in that moment where I was like, if that was you in an Arsenal shit, I'd want to kill someone. <laughs> yeah, that was disgraceful, wasn't it? It's, it is actually true about Brendan as well. When it does go wrong, it goes wrong very quickly. And I don't think he's got a way of arresting it. I think we've seen a lot of signs of that this year, haven't we? He said when he got 
who they would get in to replace him, I don't know. When he got linked with the Arsenal job, whether it would have worked or not, he probably should have taken it. He got a new contract out of it. He then got linked with the United job quite strongly, um, actually before Solskjaer was sacked. And then he couldn't do his part of the bargain and just keep Leicester on a steady patch for a couple of weeks just to get himself a bit of stock back. Dunk the place out there. and I mean, he's going full Eddie Howe here, isn't he, where the jobs you're linked with when you're in a job are going to be very yeah. different jobs you link with when you're out of a job yeah it stops falling very quickly doesn't it may well end up back at celtic but i'm not sure they'd uh, take him at the moment i'm gonna add sean back in in a second listen Just... the uh brendan could win everything and you'd be saying look you can't have a guy with chap lips oh it's a disgrace <laughs> really because when you're on that mad cash <laughs> there's literally no excuse your issue is chat lips and always cool. Well, my issue is as much the people that are around him as well like some of you <laughs> boys know what i've never worked some of you around there's got to say if if you can have a go at someone, look, your touch isn't very bad. If someone you can say you're this, you're that. Someone you can say, come on, Brendan. Brendan's definitely the type. He goes like finger to the base of the Vaseline tub as well. And it's just a <laughs> mess after the first time he's got it on his lips. <laughs> last last point to make, and this this isn't a uh, question as such. United went out of the FA Cup this weekend. That was the headline result. As much as we all hate United here, Alex aside, um, <laughs> that, that goal they have, if that doesn't show how cowardly referees are today, that a referee can't blow the whistle for handball there, and then we end up in this position where VAR can't pull it back, what the hell are these guys on the pitch for? It was yeah. as bad a decision as you will ever see, isn't it? Handball-wise. It is genuinely probably one of the worst. And as handballs go as well, like you said, TK, <laughs> I think that... I, but I love it. It makes it all the better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you just like, believe that was going to be I've the had result. Years, I've had years, decades almost, of growing up and seeing United get decisions favourably. And then they... It's just almost like a bit of calm all in one hit. I mean, chickens really are coming into roost for that club. I mean, you wish, though, if you're going to get that decision, probably save it for something other than borrowing the cup. Like, that is that's true. the gods answering. It's like, yeah, it doesn't I, quite equalise it, does it? <laughs> I mean, coming from a stadium where every time the ball hits anywhere above the waist, the whole crowd shouts handball, <laughs> and it has done for the last 15 years. I mean, just, you just got to sometimes draw a line under this and just accept that, ha ha. <laughs> Yeah, those clips of Goldbridge waiting for the uh, oh, goal great. to be disallowed. <laughs> the thing is, well, he's absolutely. You think like, well, they're, they're obviously going to wipe this out, and you think, right, go back. Don't even think about it. As <laughs> it slowly dawns on him, like, oh, I thought the top reply was like, "This is even better watching it back knowing the goal was given." It's like, yeah, that's that's the point. That's why we're all watching this video. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there is no other reason for this clip, mate. <laughs> One more question for this game. Did the borough keeper have a right to lead the celebrations? Great, isn't it? The <laughs> sheer nil. It's even more piss boiling, though, isn't it, for United, which makes it even better because he hasn't saved a single penalty. <laughs> absolutely blazed one into orbit. And he's given it the absolute big one. And like, it's, don't get me wrong, it's a big result for Borough beating um, United, who. I mean, everyone still claims they're one of the biggest clubs in the world. I mean, that is diminishing 
slowly but surely every year. But he, I mean, how many times are you going to say that you're going to win at Old Trafford when you're in a league below them? And even if Borough got promoted, say, half those players wouldn't be playing or they'd turf them out within a year. So We're still riding out on the Wenger juices. They're Juninho juices. Yeah. There's none left. You, can, you can't. <laughs> but, I mean, if, if, I'm, if I'm the keeper, I'm giving it absolute stacks. If I'm winning a penalty shootout at Old Trafford, doesn't matter if I don't save a penalty. I'm giving it XL. Were United really as good as people made out of half time? Someone's rustling like mentally. Or I, don't mm. know this. I, I can hear that. I think we all know who it is. I just didn't want <laughs> it to come out and see you. United, the way the pundits were talking at half time, I mean, even Roy Keane was in a good mood. People were talking like it was like Arsenal against Man City levels. Um, it was <laughs> that high. That good. <laughs> it, it was insane, though. Like, you want to a lamb to the slaughter. All season. It's just that. It's like, well, I mean, you created a few chances. I mean, I'm not sure we're going this far. Yeah, created good chances, wasn't it? Was the issue. Obviously, Ronaldo with the penalty, the Bruno miss. I saw a, <laughs> I saw a Liverpool account who had a rare W. Saw a United fan uh, was tweeting as if they're tweeting about Bruno and Minamino just missed this chance. A Liverpool fan account tweeted they're comparing him to Minamino like we won. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that just about does us before we move on to uh, the other type of football. So, if we bid farewell to Jack. And Alex, if you want to say bye to Sean on the way out, Alex, um, feel free, is he? Um, he's Alex, not on the call. He is. He says he's not here on mine. He's in, he's just muted. He's um, blocked you. I'll ask you just I... before you leave, Movie Madness this week, Hangover 2 against Snatch. Are you going to tell me you've not seen Snatch now, aren't you? No, I've seen it. Uh, I'm, I'll go with Hangover 2. Snatch That's... isn't really my thing. Is it not? That's a bad quote. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one way of telling us, AJ. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, pass me out. Pass me out. I'm done. All right. Well, sport. I'll leave you on that note. <laughs> no, boys. Catch you later. Adios. See you, gents. <laughs> All right, Sean, are you there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that was, is that... vintage, AJ. That <laughs> yeah, that that was uh, that was quite something. Um, so as I mentioned, we do have the other type of football taking place. The biggest game of the weekend, Sunday night. Fair to say, this Super Bowl is giving us the matchup that almost none of us expected when the season began, or even when the playoffs began. No, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. Well, you you could have argued one that, half of the equation. You you could have you argued could have the Rams guessed. could have got there. Yeah, the Bengals but. were one hundred and twenty-five to one to reach the Super Bowl. Yeah, that that doesn't surprise me. That's wild. I had the Niners to reach the Super Bowl at forty to one. Well, that makes well, it even sweeter for me the way it played out. <laughs> <laughs> Bengals won two games in twenty nineteen four games last season and then Joe Burrow this season puts the team on his back and says we're going to the Super Bowl baby as did Mac don't forget your boy yeah. Mac Jones get out of here 
I just seen the Bengals were even thirty three to one just to get to get to the Super Bowl, even when just in the playoffs. I think to well, start the playoffs even. Oh, outrageous. Well, I guess a lot of the reason they've had such the support they've had, and um, I guess if we eliminate Jama, who claims to be a Rams fan. I don't know any neutral fan that is going into Sunday's game cheering on the Rams. No. And no, they're a feel-good story, aren't they, the Bengals? Whereas the Rams can probably, as much as they don't feel like it most of the time, can probably quite easily be turned into a villain just because of the sort of the star names policy, if you like, that they've kind say, of applied this year. It's about as unanimous a pick as I've seen for who people want to win the Super Bowl in quite some time because you would think rooting against Brady would be a thing, but there's probably more people that are on the Brady train than are on the Rams train, essentially. There's more people who will root for Brady yeah. than will root for the Rams. Um, yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be quite strange. Um, I think it's going to be more fun, if, certainly if um, the Bengals can make it a game. I always just go into the Super Bowl praying if please be competitive. Don't be a stinker. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cam Newton deprived us of one a few years back. Yeah, yeah. And then the the, the Brady one against Rams was just a, just a horrible watch. Just Jared Goff just sort of hopelessly limping around. And as much as the Rams are stacked on the other side of the ball, it's always good fun when you're going into a matchup like this and the focus is on the two quarterbacks. Like, we're focusing mm. on what we hope will be a shootout of a game. I'm not sure anything is going to top the Bills-Chiefs game, but if we can get anywhere close, we'll, we'll be going to sleep happy. Let's face it. Obviously, I know because of the result, the Chiefs-Bengals one ends up a field story, but that was a great game in itself as well. If that doesn't follow the Chiefs-Bills, you're talking about yeah. that as a, as a great as well. So yeah. if we get anything like anything close to that, even we'll, we'll take it. If you're looking at the Rams, if you're confident going into the game, how much of that is based around Matt Stafford? Not only the level that he's playing at, but also the depth of the game he's playing at that level in. In that they won't be going into, let's say they're twelve points down in the fourth quarter, they won't be going into that feeling like they're out of the game because of the levels that he's shown, even just in the playoffs alone. Um, there's a lot to be confident about if you're a Rams fan, more than just, okay, we've got Aaron Donald and we've got the stars on this side of the ball. You're at least confident chasing the game. I don't, I don't know, Antique. I don't know if I'm that confident. Uh, well, you, obviously you certainly are compared to Jared Goff. But don't get me wrong, there's definitely an increased confidence there, but I think he can still give it away. He nearly gave away. He nearly mm. gave away. The, realistically, like the tart should have picked that off, and then I mean they could have still they could <laughs> sure. have still won. Don't get me wrong, but he could have nearly gave the two interceptions and checked the game away. He's got the you fifth most fourth quarter comebacks in NFL history. <laughs> it's a good stat, but then, but the then Lions, he hasn't the had Lions a playoff game this year, though. But help, yeah. yeah, that helps you playing for the Lions. But you yeah, still, you, you have, have to. to secure victories in those. That's not. All I right, you scored are. that many touchdowns yeah. in the fourth quarter. That's actual comebacks in the fourth quarter. Mm. And then having you know OBJ as your your second option as well is is obviously very helpful for him. So I think you you do have that confidence, but I think that the confidence of the Rams is will still probably more come from the defense, knowing that obviously we know what the Bengals' offensive lines like. You'd like to think they're going to be able to 
to get to Barrow and and try and stop him. But... Question for you, Sean. Um, has Baker Mayfield ordered a Bengals jersey ahead of this game? <laughs> has Baker Mayfield ordered it? Well, it's a bad look for him if OBJ goes straight and wins the Super Bowl now. <laughs> oh, right, right. That's what he... uh, yes, he's definitely going to be rooting for the Bengals, isn't he? And it, you're all right, it is a bad look. With what you've just said about they are going to get to Joe Burrow, on the other hand, could you say, okay, teams have got to Joe Burrow more times than any other quarterback this season and he still found a way to win. Should that not maybe not give you the confidence as a Rams fan because yeah, he keeps getting could, up and he keeps, he keeps slinging it forward. Yeah, that could be a worry. That could be a worry. Um, yeah, he's not, he's not going to get phased, is he? He's not going to panic under the pressure if he gets sacked a few times. She's probably right. I think it's going to have to come down to whether that <clears throat> the offensive line can hold up a bit longer in the fourth quarter. He gets to the fourth quarter and, you know, they get a few sacks in. Then he starts after forcing things, so... Yeah, this turns out it goes. TK, when we did the Arsenal-Liverpool game earlier in the season, we were told that the game single-handedly turned around when Arteta dared to lose his mind and step to Klopp. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is there a worry, high-pressure game like this, Sean McVay, a guy that can get in his own head probably more than any other coach in this league, Mm. should he be more of a worry than, okay, Sean's raised concerns about Matt Stafford? Should Sean McVeigh not be the biggest concern you have going into this game if you're a Rams fan? As much as he's done great work to get them there, he's also been a hindrance as well. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because he's one of the, certainly in terms of young coaches, one of the best, probably one of the best coaches. But then when it comes to the big one, you do question it. Some, even some of the, in this player from some of the use of timeouts at times, you've been, I'm not sure about that at all. Um, and as we've seen in, in big games, that can make the, the big difference. It's, Essentially, what basically got the Cowboys out was time management, for example. Um, something that they probably thought wasn't going to be the be all and end all was for them in the end. And so it's probably similar as Stafford, actually, is where you'd say, on the whole, this is a positive thing and they're having a good playoff run. And so they should be full of belief and confidence. And yet there must be a nagging part of them where you're like, I have got it in me to, to pause this up. And let's face it, the pressure is all on them as well. The Bengals. They- as far as you can ever have a Super Bowl, have a bit of a free hit. McVeigh was asked to look back on his Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. And he acknowledged that once the game started going against them, he didn't even attempt to adjust his play calling. He felt they had a game plan there for a reason. And he just stuck with it and stuck with it and stuck with it. But obviously it didn't work. Um, do you think him acknowledging that now shows that he's learned from those mistakes or he's also shown that he has the tendency to do that in the biggest game that you could possibly be involved in well also actions speak louder than words and I think in this we've seen he gets quite conservative when things get tough he, he does get conservative and that in the way the NFL's played now that can end up costing you whereas you feel that the Bengals don't get like that they can't they'll go all out probably because they have to because they can't they can't protect Burrow he has to basically carry it some of the time uh, so and and there's more likelihood probably that they ends up doing this because Rams against Patriots at the time Rams were rightly the underdogs whereas here they've basically cashed in all their chips on the players they've got they're in yeah. win now territory 
and against a team that they're considerably favoured against. They've got probably, I mean, I assume everybody would agree that Aaron Donald's probably the best defensive player against a team where that are notorious for the quarterback basically getting banged up week in, week out, week in, week out. So all the ingredients should be there for the Rams to get the win. If they can't, they'll be asking, well, if we can't win it now, when can we? With that, is there a worry that if you have players like Aaron Donald and you acknowledge that your strengths are in getting to the quarterback, is there a worry that you can be too aggressive and then you open up the field for someone like Joe Burrow, who's not shied away from the big moments? Yeah, I, I guess there is the also the concern. I mean, I don't see how this does happen, but what happens if at the start of it, you don't get to him? You think it's going to be easy to get to him, but it's a bit harder than you think. Um, I mean, I would hope the Bengals have been working on some way of trying to protect him a little bit more. It's like, sure, that you accept, you just got to reduce the numbers a little bit. You know he's going to get hit a few times, but you've got to try and reduce it at least. If they can't get to him, it does, again, does panic set in? Does McVeigh start second-guessing himself, getting in his own head, doing a sort of Guardiola in the Champions League, if you like. Do you need, if you're in charge of the Bengals and calling their play calls, is it as simple as you need to trust Joe Burrow, even if things aren't going his way early? He's the one that got you here. He's the one that you essentially tanked to get. Hmm. Do you have to let the ball be in his hands to win you the game? I think they are almost at an advantage that that's their only choice. I don't think they have whichever choice. Um, let's say from the Rams' point of view, let's face it, is right. you've just got to go, look, if Joe Burrow beats us, then that's it. We've just got to repeatedly try and get to him. And as, as it always is with a team like this, cover their main receiver, Chase. And if someone else wins the game for them, then you have to say that then that's fair enough. But we've done our bit on that end of it. In terms of the Bengals, I think it's pretty straightforward. What they've, I don't think they have too many other options the Rams could have the opposite problem when they've got too many maybe potential options. Do you think the the Rams will put Ramsey, they'll just stick Ramsey on Chase, won't they? You, think that's what you would do. assume he's going to have have a, a quiet game, isn't it? It's just that Rams are just going to do that and then the rest of the guys are going to have to try and pick up the slack for him. Yeah. Much praise as we've given the Bengals for their second half performance against the Chiefs. In the first half, Mahomes completed all 11 attempts to Tyreek Hill. Is there a worry that that you can't afford to be doing that again? When you look at the receivers the Rams have, if they're able to simply put the ball in the hands of who they want, you can't bank on just, a, just securing another comeback. Because they made adjustments in the second half, but it might be too late by then. Yeah, and again, just... Like probability-wise, what are the chances you can you can sort of come back like that twice in a row? There was no doubt about it. A huge collapse on the Chiefs' part, wasn't there? The Holmes kind of got in, again got in his own head. You can't assume that the Rams are going to do that as well. Holmes uh, went eleven of eleven in the first half to Hill, and then one of eight in the second half. Yeah, that's so obviously might... defensively. You can put this game plan together. It's about executing it in the right moments because obviously they had the potential to do that before they just didn't make the changes soon enough yeah I, I guess it's impressive they're able to do that because normally once the Chiefs get rolling very very hard to stop it so that probably suggests they're maybe a little bit better on the defensive end than we've maybe given credit for uh, but it's again it's the it's the options the Rams have got because where we've just said that look, they're going to have to just try and take Chase out of it put Ramsey on him you could try and take Cooper Cup up but then you've got you know 
Odell, again, <laughs> as a second option, is unbelievable, really. And even <laughs> their running game has improved during this playoff run as well. Easier said than done, Sean, but as both a fan and a player of the Bengals on Sunday, is it a case of riding the wave? Um, as much as the Rams have the expectation there, I guess you've got expectations as a Bengals fan and player that there are going to be tough moments. There can be moments where the pressure's on when you're behind and it's about not crumbling in those moments. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but I think that they've obviously, they've got that adversity. They've gone through like the route they've took here from the Titans game where he was obviously getting sacked like nine times and realistically they should have lost that. The Chiefs game, it looked like it was all over and they got through. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to get disheartened if they go down like 10-0 in the first quarter or first two quarters. you just got to keep going. And I think they'll have, they'll have the confidence to go through it, won't they? But yeah, as, as we were saying, it, it, whether this is reality, but the section feels like you don't feel like Joe Burrow is going to be overawed by the Super Bowl. You feel like he's going to go in play his normal game. Whereas, sort of the first time Stafford will be there, and all the pressure that's there. I think I'd be more thinking that he'll have a few wobbles rather than Burrow would. Mm. Even though, you know, Burrow's obviously fairly young, not really been there and done it, and they're both in their first Super Bowl. Yeah, if you said to me, one, I'm not going to tell you the result, but on the Monday, you're going to, one of these quarter packs had a meltdown. I'd say Matt Stafford ahead of Burrow for sure. Yeah. I hope that's not famous last words. I want Burrow to <laughs> Even if they lose, I want him to ball out because he's a cool guy. Yeah. Just a stat that I wrote down. Uh, Burrow was the 55th quarterback in league history to be sacked 50 or more times in the regular season. None of the previous 54 reached the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's a great start. There's a thing, there's only, maybe you might have seen it and you can correct me, but I'm, I'm pretty sure, isn't there, I think there's only one other quarterback that's been picked one overall, won the college yeah. national championship and the Super Bowl. And isn't it Joe Namath? Isn't that the only other person who's done it? Or maybe it's someone else. I think I saw that name doing the rounds. Yeah. Yeah. And then, which is mental if you think the amount of quarterbacks that are picked first overall that are obviously meant to be class and then only one of them's done it. Is this the last ever game that Joe Burrow, in inverted commas, is going to have no pressure on him? Because playing at home for Matt Stafford, the more experienced guy, the better team, all of the expectations on him. When we go into next season, now that we've seen what Joe Burrow can do, you're no longer going to have to get away with any kind of learning tropes being used when he makes a mistake. So full pressure from here on out, probably after this game. Yeah, I think that's pretty much bang on. As long he as enters he a different, completely stink the place out. He enters uh, a different conversation, doesn't he? By winning it, he goes from being compared to the likes of you know Herbert, Kyler Murray, and all them to he's in with oh. Mahomes, <laughs> Rogers. I was about to say Brady, Brady's now retired. Obviously, it seems weird to think so yeah. he's being talked about as a, as a winner. And he'll have, I think he'll he'll have the same amount of Super Bowls as Mahomes. I need to beat him in the championship game, so mm. he'll have he'll have that as well. Well, he, he beat him twice. Yeah, to beat him in the regular season as well. So, yeah, it's mental how it can shift and change. You would have the same amount as Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> He's, that is a bad oh, just, oh, God. If you're right. a quarterback now, you want to get the hell away from the AFC, don't you? <laughs> you don't want any part of that. You get yourself a nice move to the AFC. Yeah. Settle in. 
That's what makes things. If you're if you're the Browns, you do just get rid of Baker Mayfield because you just you got no hope against Josh Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, um, Burrow, Lamar. It's hopeless out of his depth in comparison. I mean, you say about him, he obviously doesn't want Odell to win, but it's not even great if Joe Burrow, the number one pick, ends up going on and winning it. You'd say probably there's arguments that Baker's got a better supporting cast outside of Jamar Chase. It wasn't Baker picked in the picked in the draft that Josh Allen went in, wasn't he? I'm pretty sure. I can look that up, but I think yeah, I think right. so. Mm, so. Yeah. I mean that's that's more of a bad look for the Browns, obviously, but mm, yeah. Um, just to close things out here, then TK, I'll go to you first. Prediction for the Super Bowl. And everything in me wants to say the Bengals and to make a case, um, but it would be entirely heart ruling head and saying that Burrow just comes out and does something mental. So uh, there's been a lot of upsets along the way in here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the safe one and say the Rams get it done. Question for you, Sean, before I ask your prediction. Very might be very outlandish of me. Um, is there a chance? That the Rams win the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow wins Super Bowl MVP. No, because it's never going to go to the the losing the losing team. Even if he puts up the game of games, they still wouldn't, would they? No, they give it to like because either way, it would be, Joe it'd be like, the guy. It'd, it'd, it'd be defense, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be like a defensive like player, or no, I don't think it would happen. I mean, personally, my premise though, it should be possible. Yeah, yeah. My view though is the Beng. I reckon the Bengals win. I'm actually very confident about it as well. Wow, the last thing I wanted to hear. I do. (laughs) I genuinely think the Bengals win, and I think the game ends. I think the game ends on the Rams' last possession. The Rams have got to get it done, and and they they don't do it. Mm. Like around midfield, and it's on fourth down, and they don't get there. I think, yeah, I think it's close. Don't get me wrong. I don't think the Bengals are going to batter him. But I think in the fourth quarter, Burrow throws a TD to Chase. They take the lead. Rams have got to do it and they don't get it done. Um, Packers have just hired a new special teams coach, TK, if you wondered. <laughs> Brilliant. Great timing, lads. Previous head coach at the Raiders. What's your prediction for the Packers next season? Yeah. Hell, that's a, that's a question for another podcast. Um, there will be plenty of time over the summer. Um, I'm I'm going to go with the Rams, uh, unfortunately, and I will oh. say as much as I want the Bengals to win, um, the Rams feel the lesser of a lot of evils in terms of teams that I would rather see win the Super Bowl. Um, certainly, rather see them win the Super Bowl than the Forty ers I'll tell you that for free. Uh, I don't understand your hatred. <laughs> I've told you my hatred for them. Uh, any team where they're winning in spite of their quarterback annoys me to start with. <laughs> because why do I want to tune in and see that? Um, should like that probably more. Underdog on, story. On top of that, um, I think the way that Colin Kaepernick was disrespected um, was a disgrace. Um, and also um, the fact that you support them. Oh, there God. we go. He's got I, mean, I, I don't think that should be uh, too hard to understand. And I always support the Packers. No, Sean, you say you always support the Packers. 
packages and I can hear you sniggering while watching the packages else. You supported Brady over Rogers. No, I didn't. I wanted the Packers to beat the Bucks last year. And you supporting the you saying you cheer for the Packers over Brady or Mahomes isn't a compliment to them either. It's just that you despise the two of them, <laughs> like me cheering on Chelsea over Spurs. <laughs> I do like the Packers. They're a likable team. Um, I wish I could agree. Um, you said about not liking teams that are having to win despite their quarterback. We might find out next year, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, um, yeah. I think the Rams win. I think they're better in almost every position, and then the position that they're probably closest in. I don't think the gap is as big as you would like it to be if you were making the case for the Bengals winning the Super Bowl. And so, for that reason, I'll pick the Rams. Um, and I'm very much putting myself in the position of um, expect the worst and hope for the best. And so, hopefully. <laughs> I don't know if you you two will disagree with this. I would rather see the Rams win a close game than the Bengals win a battering. So I, I, I'm that guy. I'm just like a mum that you see on TV. Like I just, just want to see a good game. Just want a good game. Just want to get home safe. I mean, I'm a lot of uh, back off of that. we've had touch wood. The last few Super Bowls have been fairly close. I mean, I appreciate the Rams Patriots game was. You know, it was, it was close for not good reasons, but oh. but at least we haven't really had a battering again, touch wood, for, for a while. Yeah, the thing, the, obviously, the, this playoffs has been unbelievable. So it feels like it should be capped with an unbelievable Super Bowl. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it was also the pessimist in me says, well, we've had, we've had all our fun and this is just going to shit out now. Yeah, it should. wasted the good surprise on you like in Big Daddy. Very good. I just, uh, Sean, just finally... Super Bowl yeah. MVP. I guess Joe Burrow if you're picking the Bengals. Silly question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't really give it to anyone. The, the only other person to say was Chase, but realistically, Burrow's got to throw it to him. So, yeah, it's going to be Joe Burrow. TK, you're lumping on Von Miller. I like your thinking. Two-time, baby. Ooh, that's a good, yeah. That's, that probably I told Brad to bucket and didn't bucket myself. Still stings. Yeah, yeah. Gonna have to get on some prop bets for the Super Bowl. What colour? I might this year might be the year I bet on what colour the Gatorade is. I've done that, <laughs> and, um, and they actually, if you recall, they didn't show it on the feed, and so yeah, they did, it was did just they? a frenzy with people trying to find out what colour the Gatorade was. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to sleep. Just wanted to sleep before work, and then just trying to find what colour was that damn Gatorade. And then people started lying for retweets. Trying to think, how great would it be if I know they do it pretty much when it's almost guaranteed, but if somehow they get raided the coach and then that team lost <laughs> in like the last few seconds, <laughs> that would be incredible. The worst is you like if the Bills have done it against the Chiefs, then Mahomes goes and does that. It's only like, yeah. 13 seconds late. Let's get this Gatorade. Him. Oh, fuck. If you if you search Twitter at probably about couple of hours before the game starts there'll be someone that'll be tweeting like it feels like a red Gatorade kind of year you know <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I when I watched it in um, well, obviously the, the Super Bowl that should not be mentioned but when I watched it they um, there's some guys in front of me who obviously bet on the coin toss and they went nuts when it happened <laughs> like, the guy calls the heads and they were just <laughs> sharing their uh, like betting slips did you see the 
big controversy with that Draymond Green prop bet. No, no I don't think I've seen it, no. So there was this big controversy for Clay Thompson's first game back. Draymond Green started the game. And so hundreds of thousands of bets were placed on Draymond Green to score the first bucket. Now, the game starts, and I know America is just weird where they allow these things anyway. The game starts before the ball has even been thrown forward. Draymond Green runs straight up, fouls someone, substitutes out, and doesn't play a single second later in the game. <laughs> he just wanted to be on the court for Clay Thompson's return. <laughs> now, the bookies then had to pay out millions in terms of Draymond Green unders for points and assists. They had to pay out for unders in the minutes. They had to pay out for someone else scoring the first bucket when they took bets on him scoring it. And there's this great, great controversy as to whether these bets should be paid out. And it's the same book as in Bet365 over there that'd be saying, look, we're not paying this out. We need to investigate this. Swines. Yeah, it's still going on. With um, They're trying to like change rules and laws and things so this thing can't happen again because the, the rules about him technically starting but being rested didn't come out until right about a second before tip-off. It would have to be around Draymond as well. Yeah. How do they... Surely they don't have a leg to stand on, though, do they? No, yeah, you got it on you. You started the game and you can't... I don't really know what... Uh, these bookies always find a way. So yeah, they do. You're right. They do find a way. Yeah, some paid out, some didn't, and I think the ones tried doing the they just refund the stake and hope that you don't chase it up. Yeah, but I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm sure they'll change some kind of law so the bookies have the advantage again. But I think I was saying that Aaron Donald's for MVP by the way. Then he has a screamer of the game. Let's hope not. Um, yeah, I hope not. Thank you again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. We'll be back next week to talk about the Super Bowl and any other sports that have taken place over the weekend. Adesanya Whitaker, I'm sure we'll get into as well. So thank mm. you for listening. We'll be back. Goodbye. <laughs>